Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didemenesis, and today with the trade deadline just a few days away, Bill, we're going to talk with a good friend of ours who's been in the podcast a few times and kind of talk a little bit about some trade ideas here coming up. Yeah, it's been a while, so I'm glad we were able to, to get Dennis on and talk some West Coast and Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, so the reason I brought Dennis on mainly is not only is he a good person to chat with from time to time about hockey, but it appears the Sabres have been following the Kings around the last couple of weeks here, and particularly assistant general manager Steve Greeley was in Southern California. Uh, so let's get Dennis in here. Uh, Dennis, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. So I hear it's uh, snowing up there in SoCal? Yeah, Chad and Bill. So obviously Steve wasn't in town for the great uh, Southern California weather. I think it might be warmer <laughs> in Buffalo for him. So he's probably disappointed about the trip. But yeah, a lot of activity uh, with respect to the Sabres watching the Kings. Uh, they certainly weren't the only team to capture heavy duty uh, watching the Kings roll last couple weeks. And as we saw today, Carl Hagen went to uh, went to the Caps. But uh, with respect to the Sabres, you know, who knows? Is he looking at a deadline ad? Is he looking at an off-season ad? Uh, it could be a, a variety of things. You know, a guy like, um, you know, when, when you look at the, the, the players that legitimately might be moved here, a Kyle Clifford or a Trevor Lewis, I'm not sure what that, I mean, certainly that would bring a couple championship rings to the room. Uh, is it going to help the Sabres specifically to, to get the bounce back in the top eight? I don't think so, because as we all know, you know, depth scoring is a challenge and an issue. So it, it was curious about that. So it may not be the activity that Sabres want, the fans want in the next four or five days, uh, but it be, may be something to, that maybe you should really keep tabs on when we get to the draft table in Vancouver in June. First question here, my first guy I'm going to ask you about, and somebody, a guy I guess I've kind of kept an eye on for a while, and I've seen you tweet about him a lot, and he's probably not a – deadline move per se but like you said maybe in the off season uh what's the king's feel on adrian kempe um they think he's part of the future here's the problem uh, let's go big picture here okay um if the kings decide to trade and i believe they're going to try to trade pretty desperately to trade jeff carter it really leaves them out with it without a number two center uh, if they wanted Adrian Kempe to be the number two center, um, he's not that number two center. So it depends what the Sabres are looking at him as. <laughs> look, looking at him as a winger, as a center, um, 
He's on an entry-level contract. He's going to be, I think, a restricted free agent at the end of this deal. So he's inexpensive. Not that the Kings have any salary cap issues anymore, uh, but he, he's a tease, guys. I mean, if the Sabres want him, he will show you flashes of brilliance um, you know, for two or three games and then absolutely positively disappear um, once you get to, you know, an, um, for another six or seven games. So he has the skills. He has speed. He's probably the fastest skater on the team. It's just there's no consistency to his game. Um, does he find it here in Los Angeles? Maybe with a new coach and a, a bunch of new players next season, fine. Um, would I put him in a package to deal if I could improve this team? Absolutely. He's clearly not an untouchable. Um, so if you're looking to make a deal and you want Adrian Kepe, you could probably get him in the offseason. But but they're inclined not to trade him like they're inclined not to trade a, a guy like Tyler Toffoli. But, he, you know, some games, if you look at his highlight reel and you put together a, a 97 package, you say, wow, this is a first-round pick. This is a guy who dominate the league. And he just he just disappears now. He, he was really a winger. They try to get him in at center. He's not a great face-off uh, um, uh, winner. So there's a lot of reasons that there's a lot of holes in his game. But when he's really good, he teases you. When he's not good, you don't see him on the ice. And that's the challenge. That's been a challenge for not only him, but a lot of the Kings this season. So um, it, it, I don't think it would take a lot to extract him from the Kings. Uh, but I'm not sure what you would get. I don't think you're going to get a 25 goal score in Adrian Kempe. Fit right in, you know, with the. Uh... With the inconsistencies thing <laughs> here, we kind of have that going. <laughs> we could use some speed, but we definitely got some guys that show flashes and then disappear for a long period of time. Yeah, that that's the challenge. That's easy because certainly he's got speed. And you know, the thing is, the thing with Kempe is that um, you would think because of his deficiency defensively and his inability to take faceoffs, you would think he, he would be better on the wing. But he needs the center of the ice to get his offense. Um, and and so the only way you can get him to the center of the ice is to play him in the middle. Uh, maybe he needs better wingers. Maybe it's a different. Maybe certainly needs a different coach. This coach is has has not done a good job here. So, um, so I, I would say that maybe it's a change of scenery. There's some potential here, but you're going to have to get a coach that can extract all the good things out of Adrian Kempe and maybe just you know maybe work to his strengths and not try to uh, repair his weaknesses because there are significant weaknesses in his game. Yeah, I mean, inter- I'm just thinking about. <laughs> I mean, you kind of turned me off of the idea because if, if there's one thing the Sabres need to do this offseason, it's obviously replace what they lost in Ryan O'Reilly. And I, I think if they're going to go do that, potentially yeah. you're moving one of those first three or yeah, three first round picks. And um, I think it's, it's going to be if they're going to go after a guy, it's going to have to be a must hit. I don't know that they necessarily take a chance on a guy like Kempe where, like you said, it, it's it's kind of hit or miss, especially as a, a second line center. And you've, it, it sounds like it's almost like a middle stat. Uh, yeah. Middle said, you know, he has more to go. He's, he's, you know, really early in his career, but uh, he's just not ready for that second line center role, and, and that's what's going to killing him this season. Yeah, that's a good call out, Bill. That that's where where he would probably best be certain, and it's probably if he did go to the Sabers, that's where I would slot him in. I, I'd probably put like potentially Casey Middlestead's a better player, right? But I agree with you; he's not yet. Ready for the two C? He's definitely not Ryan O'Reilly, right? So that's the challenge. That's the issue. If you want to put him on left wing and put him on the second unit power play, Adrian Kempe could it work for Buffalo? It could. But if you're looking to solve the issue in the middle, um, I would probably steer clear of Adrian Kempe. Now, if you want Jeff Carter, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you know, you can take off Jeff Carter. I'm not sure Jeff wants to go to Buffalo, but um, it would be a risk. And I, I agree with this. So, so that's where he is. I agree with you. There's there's still room to go and for Kempe to, to grow here. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that I, I would have thought that this would have been the season where he would have, uh, you know, he last year he had a 40-point season, but he was terrible second half of the season. He went, I think, through a 29-game stretch without scoring a goal. 
I would hope that, and they the Kings did not play well in the second half, even though they made the playoffs. I was hoping he would build off that season and become a, maybe a 50-point player. Not the case this year. Um, so I, I, there's some risk involved, and maybe the, the team that has a better development um, process could take Adrian Kempe and develop into a, a number two center. I, I just think, Bill, I certainly wouldn't move one of your first-round picks for him. Right, I mean, you right. want to give a second and a prospect or something like that, maybe, and just maybe at this point in time. But if, if I was you, I'd... Probably, you know, if we're going to riff here, I'd look at a guy maybe, and I know that you had a bad um, go around with the, with an Islander free agent in the past, but I look at a guy like Brock Nelson, who's, who's probably not going to re-sign with the Islanders. That okay. If the Kings would trade Jeff Carter, I would bring in a guy like Brock Nelson, and maybe that solves the issue in Buffalo as well for a 2C, because not the fastest guy in the world, but he's done well on the, on the island this year. Um, he will produce some numbers, and I don't think he'd be that expensive. He'd probably be you know, $5 million AAV. And the one thing I look at with any player, and this is talking about even on Tammy Panarin, like I'm only giving out five-year contracts, guys. I'm not doing any more than that. These seven- and eight-year deals come back to haunt you, even yeah. with great players. I'm, I'm happy to give them the top of the food chain AAVs. I'm not willing to go more than five years. So with respect to – can't be solving your two C problems. I don't see that as the issue, or, or I don't see that as an answer for you guys. So I'm going to circle back to Carter here. He was down on my list, but since you mentioned him, I guess we'll transition there because you know he mentioned you mentioned he might not want to go to Buffalo. Well, quite frankly, I don't think I need another 33 year old center with term left on his contract here either. So yeah, actually, I'm sorry, 34 now. I didn't even know. I thought I didn't know he aged another year, but it's um, <laughs> you know what? What's the plan with Carter? I mean, I, I read your article today, and you said he's. You know, if you want to stay in SoCal, he's doing a good job of the way he's performing this season. So, what is the uh, what is what is the plan with the Kings and Carter? I think that they'll will. I don't see him being on this team after the draft. I don't. I think they'll trade him at the draft. They'll look at some options, like I mentioned, Brock Nelson. Some maybe some other maybe some trade issue uh, trade options as well. Um, he just look. He had a very bad ankle injury last year, and some team some fans say, well, you know, it takes a year to hear from an injury. He's only missed six games this year. It's been, I think, 16 months since his injury. Um, he is not engaged. Um, it, it, is it a function of this team not playing well? Absolutely. Is it also a function, guys, of a constant trade rumors swirling around him? Yeah. And, and the other issue is, and this is a big picture issue, you know, that that $5.2 million cap hit, if he was a legitimate number two center, would that be value? Absolutely. Right? Does he still have the skills to do it? Yeah. I don't think his skating's any slower. I, I, I think he's healed over that injury. I just think all the speculation about him moving out of Los Angeles where he finally found a home, got married, has a kid, I think that's weighing very heavily on him, right? The other issue is that even though you have a $5.2 million cap hit, his contract was front-loaded. He's only making I, – I shouldn't say only, but he's making $7 million a year over the next three years. $3 million next year, $2 million the following season, and $2 million the following season. Could he conceivably walk away from the contract if he went to a Buffalo or Carolina or an Edmonton or somewhere he didn't want to be because he has no trade? He doesn't have any no trade protection. So that's the other issue. With, and if he retires, this cap recatcher on him because that was a pre um, a, a pre CBA contract mm, that he interesting. drew, one of those long term deals. So so there's a lot of risk involved. But when I look at teams like Nashville and I look at teams like Winnipeg who aren't as good, could he go into a a, a team? galvanize a team playing around better players and help a team yeah do i think it's the buffalo sabers i i, I don't think so i really don't think so so it would have to be a legit contending team would have you know uh you know he wouldn't go to tampa because let's be honest guys if tampa doesn't win the stanley cup 
Like, this would be a federal investigation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, it, there's so much distance with them and everybody else. So right. Jeff Carter and Buffalo, I don't think many sense. Now, his line mate, and I know you guys have talked about it before, Tyler Toffoli, would that make sense in Buffalo? Yeah, I think it would make sense. They're not inclined mm. to train right now, but I'll let you guys, uh, you know, take the lead here on the conversation. I had a question for you. Is he not yeah. playing as much on the penalty kill anymore? Toffoli, no, he's, he's playing a little bit. But, you know, look, before they traded Haglund and Thompson, those guys were on the penalty kill. Cobra, okay. Tom Brown, he played a little bit with Carter, but it's not his strength. His strength, the reason he's killing penalties is because he's not scoring goals. So that that's some of the reason. So he can, in a pinch, kill penalties. And he's what it is, is like when he was really playing good two seasons ago, 31 goals, he was so dangerous on the penalty kill because if you got him out in space, right. he has enough separation speed to score and his, his wrist shot's still dangerous. So that was part of the – that's part of the reason. He's kind of a weapon on the penalty kill. So in the right circumstance, would I use him? Yeah. If I'm up three to two with two minutes to go, am I putting him out as a first unit penalty kill? I'm not doing that. So that that's it. But he can do that. But really, he is a goal scorer. He's a natural goal scorer. It's just the last couple of seasons have, haven't worked out. Um, they say they want to trade him, and I, I think that in, from what I understand, um, Rob Blake has gone to his agent, Pat Brazon, and said they don't have any designs on trading him. But you know, the right deal comes along, and it makes the team better. Is this guy an untouchable? No, he's, he went from 31 goals to 24 goals to probably 17 this year. He's on a contract year coming in. It's a $4.6 million cap hit. Um, could he be had? They don't have any designs to trade him. But with the right deal in the right place with a comparable player, like the, the people are trying to make the connection with Borokovsky in Washington, like, you know, two guys that really have fell out of favor and they, they haven't achieved. So that's a possibility. So if if, you know, Jason Botterill wanted to make the right deal for Tyler Toffoli, could it be had? Yeah, he's not an untouchable in Los Angeles. Yeah, I just <clears throat> I remember it was it four years ago. He had what, five, like five shorthand goals. And at yep. that point, I was I was, you know, really high on I just I. Especially the Sabres. I mean, yeah, they have lower guys like Gergensen, and they're actually doing really well on the penalty kill this year. But it kind of kills me. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm a huge on having like speed guys or guys that can score, uh, and kind of using the penalty kill as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you you know you get one block and you turn it the other way, like you said, Toffoli's got that speed to kind of break. Um, but I noticed he hadn't scored in the last two. Two years, I think. Uh, yeah, he, he's, goal, not, so. he's not that guy because he has to get on track with the scoring. So I think right. you want to give him his ice time, at even in strength and on the power play. You're kind of wasting him a little bit on the penalty kill. But he, he has yeah. done it, and he would be a dangerous asset. But again, they got to get on track with respect to his goal scoring because, he's, like I said, he's coming to his walk year. I don't think they're going to negotiate an extension for him because I think they're going to have take a wait-and-see attitude. Um, so, yeah. But again, there are very few untouchables on the Kings at this point in time. I think Kobaton and... And and Dowdy certainly not. They have no movement causes, so they're not going to leave Los Angeles. Dustin Brown is a core player, even though his, his numbers, you know, he, he got injured the first month of the season, but he's certainly a core player. Um, Buffalo's own Alex, I follow. I mean, I, he, he's not going anywhere. He's on an entry-level deal. He's been very, very productive. But look, guys, if you want Ilya Kovalchuk and the Kings are willing to retain some salary, I think you'll probably get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to Kovalchuk in a second. I'm going to quickly circle back again because I have a question on Toffoli. You know, is if they're going to move him, well, first of all, my first question is, one, what do you think they're looking for? And two, you know, you mentioned they don't know what they're going to do, but he's like you said, he's going to go into his walk here next year. Wouldn't you assume that he's going to have more value now as a player who can help a team this year and next year as opposed in the summer where basically you're just kind of getting a one-year rental? Well, I'll give you – well, the one-year rental – 
Your your guys' one year rental is doing pretty good over there playing with Jack Eichel. Well, right? yeah, <laughs> with decent, right? So so the one year rental thing probably works. But what they would probably want, look, here's what they need: they need to get younger and better and just get better hiring. So if I was Broad Blake, I'd be offering. I, I'd want a second round pick at least in next year's draft um, and a prospect. That's that's good. That that's what I would want because the goal here is to, to gather assets. They started to gather assets. They have um, Toronto's first round pick, even though it's you know it's it's a low. It's a low first round pick. If they could find a way to get a first round pick uh, from a team for 2020, so they could go into this year's draft and next year's draft with two first rounders, fine. I don't think Tyler Toffoli gets to, gets you that. He probably gets you a second and a prospect and maybe even a third asset because legitimately he should be a 30 goal scorer on this team uh, and in this league. And he's just not. He hasn't delivered. Um, not sure why. Maybe the pressure of having to play for a contract will wake him up. Um, maybe with a better center, um, because part of it, you know, it's, it's all connected, guys. Right? Jeff Carter's had a crappy year, and so Tyler's had a crappy year. The other guy on the line who was supposed to produce is in Pittsburgh right now because Tanner Pearson had one assist in seventeen games. So <laughs> they counted on the second line to really elevate and and make them a playoff team again. There's a scenario where they could all be off the team by this time next year, which is unheard of for a second-line player. These are legitimately second-line players. Todd DeFoley is an RW2 in this league, maybe on some teams an RW1. He just hasn't produced. They say he's shooting in bad luck, but you know, I just think it's it's a it's a combination of things. I think his confidence is a little is waning a little bit, and I think Jeff Carter's bad season has has not helped Todd DeFoley's production. I don't think he's a first-round pick, but if you get a second and a decent prospect, I think he could be off the team as well. So before we get into Anaheim, so I know Bill's one or two questions on them. I'm going to, you know, these aren't really Sabre-specific, but still our listeners are big names. What is the plan? I'll, I'll wrap them both in here. What is the plan with Quick and Kolbachuk in L.A. right now? Okay, so, um, I again, we just talked about a first-round pick. I think Jonathan Quick would get the Kings a first-round pick in the 2020 draft. As you guys know, there's probably six or seven teams that always need a goaltender. Right, in the offseason, right? That that's a commodity. And and I'll give you the team that if something happens bad, they could even swing for him. Right. I'm I never would trust Mike Smith in a million years in the playoffs if I'm Calgary. <laughs> and and David Riddich has never won a playoff game. So if they fall imagine if they and they're 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 as good as any team in the West. Imagine yeah. bad goaltending run for them in the first round they get knocked <clears> out <throat> by the by one of the wildcard teams. Would Jonathan Quick look really good up there? Yeah. Could he get a first-round pick from Calgary? Yes, he could. So that's the guy they want to get. Here's the deal. Gal Peterson's the future in Los Angeles with respect to the goaltending. Um, Jack Campbell is a very competent backup. It's probably a one-on-one-A. Both these guys are on entry-level deals, right? So you're saving $5 million off the top if you want to go after on Tammy Panarin or, or someone else in free agency to pay that big money. They don't have any cap issues. They don't need Jonathan Quick anymore, right? He's played okay. Um, this team needs better players, more players. You want to go get two, a pick and a prospect and maybe a third asset for Jonathan Quick. So I would be shocked if Jonathan Quick started next season in Los Angeles. I think there's always going to be a team looking for him. I look at Carolina with their issues. I mean, look, they're hot right now, but they've got McElhinney, Morazic, and, and that, what to do with Scott Darling. Philadelphia could probably use a tutor for, you know, if they, sign, if they don't sign Talbot, Quick would be there. New Jersey, right? Keith Kincaid's been awful. You know, uh, 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 Schrader is on his last legs in, in, in New Jersey. There's, like I said, there's about five or six teams that could use a goaltender. So he's not going to be around. Um, yeah, Kolchak, look, here's the deal. He wants to play for a contender, right? 
the plan was for the Kings to be a contender, right? Um, it hasn't worked out that way. So he is open to waiving his no movement clause for the right situation, right? So if he goes to a contender, if he went to like if the Islanders, the Islanders did a little bit of recon on him. If there was a deal that he had when he waived there, probably he wants to go to a contender. I know there's these slugs out here that say that he's a bomb and he quit on teams and he's a you know he's no good. Listen, let me tell you something. I know this personally from talking to the guys in the room. Everyone loves him on the team. He is a great teammate. He burns to win. He wants to win so badly. Right after games, he's on the recumbent bike. He's in working out in the gym. He is a gym rat. He is so dedicated to the team. The one issue, guys, with Ilya Chuck, he's such an unconventional player that it takes a while to adjust to playing to his style because he's not. He, he doesn't go up and down the wing. He's all over the ice. The adjustment period for for a guy like Carter or Kopitar was a long. It was a long learning curve for Kovalchuk. That's the biggest issue with him is he's so unconventional. But he's dedicated to win. He's a good teammate in the room. And if a team got in the right situation where they could trade for him, and maybe there's some retention with respect to the Kings, I think they would look to move him. But he, he look. Here's the deal. Like I show up at the games. I see what he drives from Beverly Hills in his Rolls Royce right <laughs> to the games and parks on the ramp right on, in Staples Center. Right. So he's not going to go to Carolina. He's not going to go to Edmonton. I don't think there are any snow tires for Rolls Royces the last time I checked. So he can totally – he'll control where he wants to go. I think that – I think if they recast this team and they get a better second-line center and they get a coach that knows what he's doing, would he have a better opportunity to get the 25 to 30 goals? I think he could. He's still in shape. He's still got a great shot. They didn't set him up to win. So I think that he'll be in Los Angeles next season. But if a contender came knocking and Rob Blake was willing to, to retain some salary – he could wind up somewhere else, but I don't think that's the plan right now because I think it's a limited number of teams. You'd have to go back to the teams that were in the mix room in the offseason to sign him as a free agent. Maybe uh, a Dallas or maybe even a Nashville. I'm not so certain it would be Nashville. But those teams, or Boston, although they got Charlie Coyle. So I think it's a very limited group of teams that would be interested in him. But if the right deal comes, again, he's certainly not untouchable. I really like what you said with uh, Calgary. It would make a lot of sense for Jonathan Quick. I, I, yeah. I think um, – that one's really interesting, but I guess kind of taking a uh, step back on big picture, you at least having fun with the uh, wild card waste in the West. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I get to watch awful hockey every night. <laughs> oh, come on. We're used to that. You can't talk to Buffalo guys and complain about watching oh, awful I hockey. Can, I'm talking about eight teams are awful. <laughs> yeah. the, the Ducks, look, the, the Chicago Blackhawks are what, one point out of a playoff spot? They're the worst defensive team in the league. The worst. Like what season? Can you tell guys? Tell me what le- what season in the NHL did the worst defensive team make the playoffs? And if Kane and Taves still get hot, they can make the playoffs. It's it's atrocious hockey, and that's the tease for like these teams like Anaheim and LA. Like if LA had started the season five and five instead of two seven and one, they'd be in the race. They shouldn't be in the race, but they would be in the race, and that's a tease because now you look at teams like that, like Edmonton and Anaheim and LA. Well, if we make one or two changes and we get improved by seven or eight points, we can get in the playoffs. Minnesota, stink. I mean, it's awful hockey, guys. All these teams are dogs. I mean, I watched – I mean, Anaheim's been terrible. They went into Minnesota the other night and won 4 nothing. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, and I feel bad for Bruce Boudreau. He's a great guy, but he guaranteed a playoff. He should have looked at the roster before he guaranteed the playoff. So it's not it's, – it's just terrible hockey. I'm sorry. It's going to be 86 points to get in the playoffs. I've never heard of that. It's just it's just a bunch of bad teams playing hockey every night. And, you know, I get to stay up and watch it. 
So while you mentioned the Ducks, what is Anaheim's plan? I mean, they fired their coach after losing a bajillion games. Finally, the general manager now is being a coach to see if he can figure out what's going on. Uh, they got some defensemen. They got some young forwards. They're still kind of in the playoff race. John Gibson's really good. Just what kind of is the overall plan in your mind with Anaheim? Are they going to kind of try to go for it here? Or can you see them moving a few pieces off? I don't see the plan, to be honest with you, Chad. To be And, and, and to be frank... Why on earth would you sign Jakob Silverberg to a five-year deal for five point yeah. two five million dollars when you got guys like Troy Terry and Max Jones and Maxime Comtois in the system ready to go? I don't get that, and I certainly don't get the term or the AAV. I don't understand it. I know he's the leading scorer on the team, I think, goal-scoring-wise, and he's a responsible player in his own zone. But, I mean, you give him 5-2-5. Next year, Adam Henrique's going to make 5-8 cap hit. I don't know what the plan is. I'm, I'm sorry. This team is is not good. They should be trading guys like Brandon Montour or, mm-hmm. you know, or Andre Kasha. And then they miss him. A guy like, look, you gave money to Rick, uh, Ricard Raquel. He's got nine goals this year. right? And here's the whole problem. It's in a nutshell. It's really easy to explain the, the problem, the issue in, in Anaheim. You have three players making $22 million a year that all have no movement clauses. Ryan gets out the best one. He's still... Uh, you know, an elite center on the cusp of being elite center, right? Corey Perry's done. I know he tries hard and he's, he's still feisty. He can't score goals anymore, right? And Ryan Kessler at six, over $6 million a year with three more seasons, he's, he's got four goals. He's a shadow of himself. Now, here's the thing. Oh, and Bob comes in, Murray comes in and says, okay, well, I got to look players in the eye. And, if, and, and basically hinted that if he didn't like what he saw from, from those three players, you know, he'd, he'd make the move on or he would consider moving on. Like, well, first of all, Ryan Kessler, no one wants him at that money. The other two guys, they live in Southern California. They live in Newport Beach. They probably can bike to the practice in Anaheim. And you're going to uproot them and their families when they have no movement clauses and move them to where? You know, Carolina? Like Florida? Are you kidding? I mean, I don't know how they do that. I don't know how Bob Murray extricates himself from those three contracts, which are anchor contracts, which these guys are getting older and older. They're going to be 34 next, I think, 34 years old next year. That's the whole issue is that you've got dead money there that you can't move. And now you've got Patrick Eves in the AHL and you bury $3 million worth of cap space. It's Here's what happened, guys. All the moves they made with respect to changing um, – uh, the coach and stuff like that, it came too late because they built their first half of the season on John Gibson's back. And to no one's surprise, John Gibson got hurt, either got worn down or he's just injury prone. This team, I, I keep going back to a stretch where they went they went, in, they went to um, the Atlanta division, they went on a road trip, and they won three games in a row. Uh, Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. And they were outshot by 37 shots in those three games combined. I'm like, okay, so John Gibson's amazing, as you said, Chad, right? But it's not like this is not the NBA. This is not LeBron James and four guys, right? This is this is 23 guys. The coaching was bad. That they they certainly look. Here's the deal: Why Bob Murray didn't fire Randy Carlisle after that? Coming back from the break, their first game was in Winnipeg. It was six nothing after the first. I've never yep. seen six. I remember that one. Right. I would have fought the coach in the middle of the game. I would have <laughs> went behind the bench in the second period. So it just this is too late. It, things were too late. Now the one saving grace about Bob Murray, and the one reason why he might retain his job because he did get a two-year extension um, at, at the beginning of the season, is that this organization has the ability to find and develop skilled players. 
They always do. They always have a pipeline. The pipeline's never dry, and it's usually one of the best pipelines in the league. That They're scouting, whatever their system is, how they identify players. They do it very, very well. So I'm not going to totally dump on the organization. But with all those contracts, those top-heavy contracts, and now you got Patrick Eves in the minors who's you know, coming back from a, um, you know, from an illness. It, it's just I don't know how you extricate yourself from this team other than trading Cam Fowler or Hampus Lindholm or Brandon Montour, and it makes, it, it makes the team worse. So I, I'm not – I am not. I don't know how they're going to do it. I think they're going to continue to to miss the playoffs for the next couple of seasons. And once those contracts expire, the big money contracts, then you can look at this team again. But with those three guys at the top of the lineup still on the team, I don't know how they're going to contend in the West. So you said two names that really perked my ears, if you will: um, Brandon Montour and Ricard Raquel. Do you think there's really any chance? I mean, Raquel, uh, Raquel's probably harder, but. Yeah. What do you think it would take to get them out of there? And, and if they could get, if the Sabres could get one of those two, I, I think I would be a, a happy camper. Well, I'd offer a first round pick for Ricard Raquel. Um, yeah, I would too. And, and, and for Montour, probably the same thing. It's probably going to cost you a first and a prospect. Um, but th- they have to do something because they, they, their forwards, it's just, it's just the mixes here is not good. I mean, you, they just gave Cam Fowler an eight year deal. I, I mean, it's, it's really tough. So those are the two guys that you would look to make a deal with. But I'm not sure if they can afford to do it. Uh, I'm not sure they want to do it. Uh, but they have to change the mix here. But again, like that, that's not solving their problem. Like trading right. McCarver Cal or trading Brandon Montour doesn't solve the problem. They're, they're an aging team with bad contracts. That's the issue. That's the challenge. And now you, on top of the bad contracts, you just, before I mentioned, you just laid um, Jakob Silverberg on top of that. He's not a $6 million player. And Henrique is a 40-point player. He's not $6 million. They have you, – you could say they're overpaying seven or eight players on this team, and that's the issue. That's a challenge. So I think to trade a Raquel or to trade a Montour would compound the issue, right, because you have to replace those players with younger players who probably aren't as good. Um, so it's a big challenge for Bob Murray. I don't know how he turns it around because I, I just look at the roster. I go to Cap Friendly and I look at it and go, how do you change this mix? It's very, very difficult because I don't see Perry or Getz left. Look, if you got one of those guys still willing to wave and move, fine. I just don't see it happening. They're too entrenched here in Southern California. I really don't see them wanting to leave home. unless it re- I don't know how you'd make it worth their while either, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of where I was going to go, and I guess you kind of answered my question there at the end. That was my last question is, you know, can a team get a deal if they say, all right, give us Montour, and we'll take one of those three contracts too? You know, maybe can that lower your price? But if, like you said, if they're not going to waive, then I guess that's not really an option. Yeah, and, and that's why, guys, if I'm, a, if I'm a GM, like maybe I give, like, like with Kopitar's contract, right? He's got an eight-year deal. He's got no movement protection for the first four years, and then limited no trade clause. So he, he had to pick 10 teams, I think, to, to get traded to. That's the deal I would be doing. Now, Bob Murphy, back in the day, wasn't thinking about it. He gave them full no-move clause protection for the entire length of the contract. That's a huge mistake, right? If some down the line three years from now, they wanted to trade Copa Tarpon Sanchez, could, could they do it? Yeah, they'd find a team they could trade. These guys, they're not going anywhere. They're just, they're just locked in. They've been here for, I mean, Perry and Getzlaff grew up here. Right? They play the entire careers here. They're not going to r- uproot themselves. They're just not going to do it. So that's the challenge. That that's the misstep. That one of the missteps that Bob Murray made was doing that. And I don't think that you just jettison younger, cheaper players, to, you know, to, to 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 get some draft picks when you have these guys who are older and the core is aging. That's not going to solve the problem in Anaheim. All right. So that is Dennis Bernstein from the Fourth Period. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis TFP. 
Dennis, I appreciate the trip around Southern California there. It's going to be a uh, busy few days for you, I'm assuming, here coming up to the Monday deadline. So buckle up, and uh, hopefully it'll be entertaining because I feel like in Buffalo here we're kind of in for a quiet day, but we'll see how Los Angeles does. Chad and Bill, always appreciate the time. Thanks. All right, we'll talk soon, man. All right, so again, that was Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period chatting with us about the Kings and the Ducks. So there's some uh, interesting stuff that came out of there. You know, Dennis is always a good guy to talk to. He really knows his hockey, and he will talk hockey all day with you, which is why I love talking to him. But, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit, you know, the L.A. guys are what they are. Kempe looks like he's not going to go. Toffoli's questionable, and that's kind of, I think, for us, kind of where it ends for the Sabres. So maybe kind of here we'll kind of skip that part of it, but I was really interested about what you were saying about Anaheim. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I think uh, Dennis did us a favor and kind of turned me off of the Kings guys. It's just not necessarily what the Sabres need at this point. Um, but yeah, man, he not only did he bring up Raquel unprovoked, he kind of, I mean, he said it would not be helpful for the Anaheim Ducks to move a guy like him because like you said, he's you know 3.7 in the next three years. It's a team-friendly contract, but... Man, if you can, if it's even possible to to pry him out of there, I am calling every day. Yeah, I, I am a hundred percent giving up a first round pick for a three point million dollar, three point seven million dollar center for the next four or five years. Like that, that's an easy, easy move. And you know, maybe that's you know, maybe, maybe that's a spot where you can use wrist line and that type of thing. If they're looking to mix up their defense, maybe you can make it part of a bigger package. Maybe somehow you can pull Raquel and say Montour out of there and Ristolainen in a first and something else goes like that's kind of like the big that's kind of the big fish trade that I'm kind of thinking of this offseason and if you know if if Anaheim is dead set on moving some players and as Dennis mentioned they can't move those big three because they're not going to wave I mean I don't know what else they're going to do right what do you think would actually so (laughs) now you got the wheel spinning Raquel (laughs) Montour a first Risto I mean you're gonna have to give up a little more if not a little more. I'm thinking maybe even like a maybe a Nylander plus. I don't know. How do they want more defense or do they want young forwards? I mean, that's kind of I mean, it's maybe a question we should have asked Dennis. I mean, can I? Do they are they interested in Gooley if they're mixing up their defense? Okay. You know, yeah. I don't really have a lot of high end forwards to offer besides Nylander, and I don't know how much value Nylander carries. You know, to be honest. Right. Yeah, I mean, thinking about like the interesting thing. So uh, Perry and Getzlaff have two years left after this year. Kessler has three. So you'd imagine if they are dead set on a rebuild, you're trying to get first-round picks because, as you said in your uh, article, you're probably a year to three from seeing those guys, depending where in the first round they are. Uh, so it would kind of line up with those guys leaving and then bringing up uh, your late first-round picks that you're taking in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they they just locked Silverberg in, too, like Dennis said. So it's it's interesting because it's kind of, like you said, it, it, it looks like, from the outside that Anaheim is rebuilding, but also on the same hand, you can be like, well, they only have two or three years of Getzlaff and Perry left, so are they going to kind of quickly try to retool here, pick up some pieces for those guys, and then kind of keep trying to go to Ballard? I mean, when you have John Gibson, uh, I guess you could that's say you're, you're, all, you're always in it every season, right? Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. And and I think, to your point, it's it's kind of what they, they would probably do, but I think if, if you could at least get you know, another first that isn't going to hurt. Uh, he, I mean, Dennis hit it on the head with, you know, Tr- Troy Terry and, and Max Jones, and they do have some good young players coming up right. uh, already. So it, maybe if you can, add, if they're looking to add maybe one or two to the mix, 
maybe they're looking for more, like you said, of a retooling. I think Ristolainen would fit that pretty perfectly. Uh, but maybe you would have to give up another kind of roster-ready guy. I'm not even sure who that would be, though. Yeah, and that, that's what's going to get like, – it's, it's what's going to be difficult. You know, that's kind of where the Sabres are at a disadvantage because – you know, their main prospects that they want to use are here, and it's Darlene, it's Middlestat. You're not moving those guys. Right. Uh, you're probably not moving Sam Reinhart. So you really don't have a lot of pieces yeah, to I give would, up. I mean, if you I maybe. All three. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to use picks. They're going to maybe have. Maybe they'll acquire some here over the next few days. They're going to move out guys like Larson Gergensen's in Bolu. I mean, they're not going to get a lot, but picks are picks. So. I don't know. Maybe if you do go big time trade, maybe you use two first round picks. You know, if that's going to be your one move, and you're going to get a forward out of there and a defenseman, about that. like maybe that's maybe that's what you do. So, Risto and two first for Antor and Raquel, right? And then maybe you can even get like a second or a third. Let's see what they have. Or even they can uh, be get like a B level prospect back or something. You know, right? So they have a second and a fourth. They don't have a third. So I could see like a twenty twenty third coming back to something like that, right. or like you said, a B level prospect. It's interesting, that's for sure. It is. But... It's definitely it's definitely an off season deal. It's not right. A, a definitely, deal. definitely. But uh, yeah, it would it would it makes it let's put it this way. It makes me feel a little bit better after how the last couple of days have gone. Yeah, that's that's for sure. You know, we as a recording here, they're hanging on for dear life against Tampa Bay. So we'll see how that turns out. But uh, I don't know. Happened. We'll see how the next few days go here. I mean, it's I, I don't expect a lot. We kind of heard Duchesne pop up in chatter today, which is interesting. But I feel like if they're going to do that, that's maybe more of an off-season thing. I'd be kind of surprised they're going to pay the price to get Duchesne in here. Unless they're going to try to convince to sign him. But, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I'm not expecting a lot here over the next few days. You know, we'll kind of see what happens. Maybe we'll be surprised. But, uh, you know, for me, that Charlie Coyle thing was kind of a bummer. You know, that he went for that. I don't want to say low because Ryan Donato is a he's an already prospect, but not what I'm expecting him to go for at least. Yeah, I mean, and Hagelin too. I mean, that was the other guy that was right, right, uh, linked to the Sabers. So for him to go today, kind of running out of the little bit of rumors you had. Um, like you said, Duchesne was kind of dangled today. Who knows if that's really a thing or not? But I mean. <sighs> I don't know. I guess I'll leave you with uh, if I can get Raquel and Montour for Risto and maybe a first or two. That would make me happy going into next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so we'll probably get Dennis on again here, you know, in the off season time, and you know, we'll really kick his tires on those Anaheim guys. If hopefully they're still there, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> see what we can pull out of them then. So. I think that's going to be it. Bill's going on vacation soon. Uh, so this is the last time we're going to talk to Bill for about a week or so here, and I'll be left alone on the deadline to sit here and just throw darts at the wall and watch something happen. <laughs> so that'll be my next few days. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, enjoy the vacation, man. That's, you know, it should be fun. Appreciate it, yeah. Uh, going out to Florida to get a little sun. Much-needed warmth, and uh, probably get away from hockey for a little bit. Yeah, that'll be, that'll, that'll be nice, too. That'll be nice, too. So... For Chad and Bill, we are out of here this week. Make sure you continue to follow us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. And make sure you're also following uh, Right Share, iTunes, Twitter, Google Play, Spreaker, uh, iHeartRadio, all those fun places, Spotify. So make sure you're checking that out. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Dennis. Thanks again, Dennis, for coming on. And we'll see what the next few days here hold for the deadline. And if nothing else, maybe we'll see some good trades to keep us entertained. The Sabres do nothing. So we'll talk soon. And Bill. 
like I said again, enjoy your vacation, good sir. Enjoy the sun, and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk ourselves. Oh yeah, we'll still be chatting. <laughs> All right, see, see you later, everybody.